you know it. So there were several pieces of paper you could pick up as you were coming to the table there on that, uh, on the right side with the budget and the bylaws. I also had a handout with the state of the church address, but take a look at it and make sure it's front back because our first set today just printed three front sheets and it was supposed to be front back. So Amanda is going to be coming around here in just a second, or we have somebody coming around with the newly, the newly printed ones to, to get those to you. There should be three pages stapled together, but the first two should be front and back. And that's the problem. Yeah, we had to go reprint them. So they are on the way. I hope that's not a metaphor for anything that we're missing two, uh, two pages. I, I, don't, I don't intend for it to be. Amy, did those new uh, copies make it down? Could you send somebody with maybe 10 or 15 this direction so these folks don't have to get up? Just hang out if you have one that's not front back. David has got a few here. Justin, you got a few right here? All right, I think we're in better shape now. We got, well, got what we need. All right, well, let's go ahead and we'll get, uh, we'll get started with our, our portion together tonight. First off, thank you as a church for what you do to make possible what, what you just saw tonight with the number of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that were able to be in here what happens with the Compass uh, Preschool during the week. Over 50% of the kids who are a part of Compass are not also part of Emmaus. And so that was what we had heard up front in, in terms of doing a weekday Mother's Day Out preschool program, and that's proven true. And it's provided for some good uh, ministry opportunities and conversations along the way. And so just, I want to thank you as we talk about budget and those sort of things and, and using our facility. I want to thank you for, for being a church that encourages that and, um, and, and makes that possible. After we're finished tonight, um, here in about 20, 25 minutes, we're having another one of our budget and bylaw uh, discussion forums. If you'd like to come and ask questions about the budget or the bylaw proposal, uh, that will be in room 200 afterward for a few minutes, and so you've got that option. Hopefully you've gotten a copy of the budget and those bylaws and had a chance to, to look at those. The state of the church address that's in front of you is pretty much a manuscript format. I'm going to stray from the manuscript a little bit, but I want you to have something in front of you, and then I'll, I'll email that out uh, to the whole church tomorrow morning um, uh, as well. But I wanted you to be able to have that in front. Uh, this is something that I did last year, 
because we were at our 30th year as a church, but it was something that was helpful for me because it forced me to think through where are we as a church, where are we going to go next, and so I felt like this might be a good yearly routine, yearly tradition to get into of where's God brought us from, what are we going through now, where's God sending us to next, less specifics in this more big picture framework, how do we see God working, what might God be leading us to do, um, even talking through a little bit of this this afternoon with some folks and them saying, yeah, I, I see that, and I think that these are important things to, to talk about. And I think it's equally important that our students are in here with us tonight, that you guys have a chance to hear what we're talking about, and so feel free to, uh, uh, to pick up one of those as you go and be able to look at it and pray through it and think about that um, as we move ahead. Let's do this. I want to I pray for us, and then we're just going to get right into uh, to this address, and, and we'll get, go from there. God, thank you again for the picture of seeing uh, all of these parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles here for the Compass Christmas program. Uh, God, to know that the teachers throughout the week are doing so much to guide these kids to know the Bible, to know your love. Uh, to learn and mature and grow, and, and God, thank you for the doors that that opens for, for ministry, and God, thank you for a church like Emmaus that is so open to, to do things like that. Father, I pray that tonight that you would give all of us uh, wisdom, that we would be able to see clearly how you're at work in our lives and in our church, and God, um, as a result of this, that we would be more focused, more dedicated, more humble, more re prepared for how you uh, are working in our lives and our families and our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I'm not entering through the back to shake everybody's hand like the regular like State of the Union address. I just skipped that part of it, but let's go ahead and get started. So I want to begin tonight the same way we started this address last year, because our mission as a church doesn't change. We exist to proclaim and display Jesus. Everything we say and do, every word and action, must be about making known the hope and victory of Jesus. We do this up, in, and out. We live up through worship, realizing everything we have is from God and everything we have is for God. We worship him individually in every moment throughout the week, and we gather corporately to worship him as a church. We live in through discipleship as followers of Jesus. We grow in our relationship with God and our relationships with others as God changes us from the inside out through his word, his spirit, and his church. We live out through missions. What God does in us, individually and corporately, should spill out to those around us. We give, go, pray, and serve so others will know the good news of Jesus Christ. We do those things here where we live, learn, work, and play, and we do them far away where people have never heard the name of Jesus. Now, prayerfully, this approach to church reflects God's character. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the same way, one church, three facets. Worship to the glory of God, thinking about the Father, discipleship in the image of God, thinking about the Son, missions by the power of God, thinking about the Holy Spirit. So they're not separate pieces of church that we pick and choose. They're three interlocking realities of our mission. So who God is 
drives who we are and what we do as a church. The statement that we exist to proclaim and display Jesus and the references to up, in, and out are purposefully general. Different churches present these concepts in different language. You go to some church and it's connect, grow, serve. You go to the next church and they are gather, grow, go. Pastors, it feels like a convention, sit around and try to think of new ways to say these things. Uh, they're, they're just ways that we're trying to summarize and set before you the mission that God has given his people throughout Scripture. Um, why does it matter, though? Uh, where's the so what behind this? Don't miss that our up, in, and out language should bring simplicity and freedom to your life, your family, and our church. So these words are a filter through which we run our programming, balance our schedules, and assess our growth. So for your life and your family, all we want you to do is take a look and say, am I doing these things? Does my life reflect up, in, and out? And do they fit together in a picture of spiritual growth and impact? Uh, am I all in but not doing up and out? You know, do they fit together? Does this represent who I am, who we are? So up, ask yourself, am I worshiping during the week and gathering for worship regularly and passionately. We don't want it, what we do when we gather to be different than what we're already doing during the week. We gather for worship because we're already worshiping God every day of our lives. And so gathering is an overflow of that. We're just doing corporately what we've already been doing. So is that true of your life? In, am I growing in faith through spiritual disciplines? Does my life look like prayer, Bible study, serving through my spiritual gifts, resting in Christ, those type of things? And am I growing in my relationships with other Christians through a small group uh, Sunday school class? So just ask yourself, is that true? Am I growing in faith? Am I meeting with other believers? Hopefully you have a back sheet. If you don't, it means you got one of the early copies and just raise your hand and we'll get you, get you one. So the top of that second sheet should say out. Am I giving financially, praying for missionaries, and actively going? either on mission trips or right where you live, am I actively going so others will know about Jesus? Don't miss the simplicity of this. All we want you, don't overcomplicate being a Christian. Don't overcomplicate what we're trying to do. Up and out. Is that true of my life? Is that true of our church? Okay, quick review. As we look back this year, we celebrate powerful times of worship and baptism. Uh, I remember the week that we baptized uh, a young mom from the children's home and two dads were baptized uh, that, that same day. Uh, thinking about baptism we had recently with, with an older senior adult lady who was giving her life to the Lord. Just so many experiences of our kids being baptized during the year. Uh, the addition of new members. We've had 61 new members this last year, which Emmaus has seen around 60 different times in the past for when I could go back and find. Uh, the most new members I could find in a year was in 1994 when there was something in the mid-70s. Most years are in the low 50s, high 40s, but we've had 61 new members uh, th this past year. The development of new small groups, major improvements in communication. Jim and I aren't making the flyers anymore, and you can tell the difference <laughs> when you see something, you're like, hey, Jim and Owen didn't make that. It looks better. So uh, major improvements in communication. A new mission partnership in Calgary. Local missions through our Serve Day and Mission Emmaus Project, which we're going to do both of those again in 2018. 
uh, a new cabin for Falls Creek. Not that we didn't like Rancho Ponca, but it's a big step forward uh, at Falls Creek. And consistent maintenance, updates, and best of all, use of our facilities. This is one of my favorite parts of Emmaus, that God has provided us with these buildings and resources, but you all refuse to let them sit idle. They're used to minister to our community and build relationships. Just today, we had a high school convention happening in here. We have the compass thing tonight. Tomorrow, they'll build quilting. There'll be basketball practice. Friday, there's another event. Buildings used all the time. And so God's given us this. We want to use this for, for his glory and to reach out to the community. Um, next section, what about music ministry? I know questions remain about music leadership at Emmaus, so let me address that area as best I can early in our time tonight. Within my first few weeks at Emmaus, I sat down with Hans Dilbeck, who was recently named the new executive director of Oklahoma Baptist. Hans was the pastor at, I guess he still is technically, the pastor at Quell Springs Baptist Church in, in North Oklahoma City. Um, but this is a good move that he's gone to be leader for Oklahoma Baptist. Dr. Jordan, uh, a guy named Anthony Jordan, has been doing that for over 20 years. I think Hans will be a great man for that position, taking us ahead um, as a state. Hans told me that situations and leadership will arise when from an outside perspective, a process looks stalled and you appear passive. Instead, you're learning about the church, having productive conversations, seeking God's counsel, and trusting that it's God who builds this church, not your personality or the talent of anyone on staff or on the stage. I feel that's where we are because in the last year, I've come to know our church better and to know myself better. I've had productive conversations with the staff and the personnel committee, not to mention multiple side conversations with our members and with other pastors. We've utilized different worship teams and styles throughout the year, including some great times of musical worship on Wednesday nights. And mostly, I've come to understand how many factors are interrelated with music ministry, how we structure our staff, how we steward budget dollars, how we utilize our worship center, how we work through generational tensions. It's not just music. It's related to everything that we are as, as a church. I can tell you this. I feel more confident than ever about God's guidance in this area of our church. Any concerns about music ministry should be immediately alleviated by the fact that week in and week out we have music quality and leadership that is excellent, humble, and spiritually mature. David continues to lead faithfully and consistently with an open heart about how he can best serve Emmaus and God's kingdom, and I thank God for him. And I pray that what might look like passivity on my part would instead be seen as an honest desire to seek God's guidance for our church, instead of just doing something because we've always done it and then asking God to bless that. As I said last year, I'd ask you to keep an open mind that musical leadership in the church might not look the same as it has in the past. This role, what we pay for, what we expect, what the person does during the week, whether or not it's full-time or multiple part-time people, that's going to require a lot of flexibility from us as a church. But what won't change is a commitment together for worship in spirit and in truth. Next page, bylaws and um, what's called member reconnect. So a more technical but still important project from this past year has been an update to our bylaws to clarify who we are and how we operate as a church. The project won't be complete until next week's business meeting, but the progress has been beneficial. One project related to the bylaws that you might not have heard of is called Member Reconnect. As of summer 2017, the Emmaus record showed that we had over 2,500 members. Uh, 
Put simply, church membership is not about having your name on a list. The phrase inactive church member is not helpful or spiritually healthy, even though I realize churches have used that phrase over, over the years. Now, having 2,500 uh, members, and then we'll talk about our attendance here in a little bit, that's not uncommon in Baptist life. I remember the little church I grew up in. I told you guys the wood paneling on the wall and the green carpet, and it had that wooden frame up front that showed you how many people attended this week, how many attended last week, and the very top was member amount. And I remember as a kid being so confused about how we could have 120 people attending and 450 members. And even as a little kid, you just thought something is really strange about that. And so people move, you don't hear where they go, things happen. We, we realize that, but Equally so, it's not healthy to have 2,500 people on your member list and not who, know who they are and where they are, that sort of thing. So in church, members are those who have committed themselves to a local church to worship, grow, and serve, not for personal preferences or convenience, but in order to use their gifts to build up the body and further God's kingdom. Multiple studies have shown that higher expectations for church members actually result in healthier churches. We've tried to raise the expectations through our membership classes and presentation of new members with a commitment from 2 Corinthians 4-5. This member reconnect project is an extension of this focus on membership. Uh, just two quick things to say on that before we move on. The first is another thing we've tried to emphasize and talking with the students about this. In church, there's also no such thing as junior membership. You are a member of the church. You are a part of the body of Christ to give and serve and be involved. So we want to keep that in mind. Also, in 2018, we're going to go through a sermon series in 1 Corinthians 12 through 16 that's called One Another. So many times in the New Testament, it uses the phrase one another. Love one another, greet one another, serve one another. As a church, we're going to explore what does it look like to do that? How do we grow in this process of being members of a local church? So what is this Member Reconnect team? The Member Reconnect team is made up of staff and Emmaus members who are going through our list of members to reach out to those who haven't been attending. The goal of the project is not to clean up the roles, so to speak. We're not trying to find people and be judgmental toward them. Instead, the goal is to take seriously what Scripture says about caring for one another and keeping watch over one another. We're leaving the 99 to make sure the one is found and cared for, whether that care happens in Emmaus or another church. So far, We've gone through over 1,500 names and made some significant contacts. And really the long-term goal of this is just to get our member list to better reflect who is really involved at Emmaus, that, that those two, as much as possible, would match up. That we'd say the members are those who have committed themselves to this place to live up in and out. So, all right, let's talk some about church growth. So as we discuss membership roles, it's going to look really bad because we're going to go from 2,500 members down to probably about less than 1,000 members. Have we lost a bunch of people? No, we're just trying to make sense of this. But let's talk about church growth. Church growth comes in two forms. Growth in terms of spiritual maturity and fruitfulness, and also growth in terms of numbers. So I want to address both of these for a couple of minutes, then we'll wrap up by looking toward the future. In terms of numerical church growth, it's very important and I guess if you catch nothing, I hate to say if you catch nothing else tonight, but this is the point that has really stuck with me as, as I've been preparing this. We must establish there is no such thing as church growth 
that isn't evangelistic church growth. Here's what I mean by that. We can't say, nor can any other church say, that their church is growing if people are simply moving from another church to our church. Now certainly, some of that happens because people move into the area. Additionally, I know there are times when because of a new season in life or an unhealthy situation at another church, there's a need for church transfer. I realize that. But biblically, that's still not numerical church growth because the church of Jesus Christ hasn't increased in number when a person transfers from one local church to another. Uh, There are church leadership magazines that put out lists of fastest growing churches. You praise God that those churches are growing, but immediately the question you want to ask is, how much of that growth is related to evangelism and baptism, and how much of it is just people finding the new, hippest, hottest place to be? Um, At Emmaus, we have to confess, and, and this begins with me as pastor, that we have grown over the years largely from transfer growth. In many ways, I believe God mercifully guards us from accelerated numerical growth because such growth would probably come from further transfer growth, which in turn would cause people to focus on us, not God, and could easily gloss over the tremendous need we have for evangelistic growth. Now, I realize that could sound like a desperate attempt by the pastor to spin the data and explain why we haven't seen significant increase in attendance, but I stand by it with a clear conscience. When it comes to numerical church growth, every one of us, whether you've been here for decades, recently moved in, or are looking to transfer here, must commit ourselves to evangelistic church growth. Before we read the last paragraph in that section, just a quick update. Our our average attendance this last year for a Sunday morning was 647 people. Sitting in the worship center was 575 people was average attendance. It's stretched a little bit because you have big days for Easter, smaller days for Fourth of July, things like that. Median attendance is 570 in the building, 640 altogether. That represents uh, kind of a going back to 2007 numbers, give or take a little bit, 2010 numbers. Emmaus peaked in 2008 as far as attendance, and then 2009 started to go down a little bit from there. So that gives you an idea of how many people. I went back and looked at our membership additions at Emmaus. Of people that have joined Emmaus and are members now, 73% came from transfer growth, 27% came from baptism. Um, You would really like to see that number flip the the other direction. I realize we live in Oklahoma, I realize we live in the Bible Belt, but we so much want to see if God sees fit to grow our church, that it's not 73% transfer, 27% baptism, that, that God would be gracious that that number would be flipped. Final paragraph in that sec- section there. Evangelistic church growth will come in part as we begin having more gospel conversations among ourselves. It sometimes feels uncomfortable talking about the gospel to others because we're not talking about God's goodness and power among ourselves. Worship, prayer, fellowship, and Bible study should drive our evangelism, not hinder it. In short, we must get serious about sharing the gospel personally and corporately, not attracting more church people. And all ten fingers just point right at myself right there, not not at anybody else. Next section, confronting apathy and pursuing revival. 
Tied to this need for evangelistic church growth is our need, once again starting with me, for deep spiritual renewal. As a church, we always have to ask if we're drawn to the idols of comfort and tradition. Stability in a church is a great thing, so don't misunderstand me here. But gospel peace and casual comfort can be hard to distinguish on first glance. If things changed, our model of ministry, our meeting times, the setup of the building, the number of services, the time for small groups, the aesthetics, the existence of a program, the people attending, would we be more worried about losing those things than we might gain for worship, discipleship, and missions? But there's something more going on here beyond programming or a model of ministry. It's too easy for a pastor to pick on those other things I just said. I think there's something deeper because I see it in the deceptiveness of my own heart and I see it at times in our church. Along with comfort and stability, often come their dangerous first cousin named apathy. We have to ask, are we at times apathetic, unmoved or uncaring about the things of God? I try to be cautious about tying spiritual vitality to emotions because I'm a pretty unemotional and stoic person myself. But we must search our hearts and search the deep corners of our church to find out if we understand what it means to experience a holy and powerful God. Do we know what it is to give ourselves fully to God? Do we know what it is for the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead and propelled the church in the book of Acts to be at work in our lives and our church? Now you could rightly ask, what would spiritual growth and renewal look like? What do you have in mind? Well, I think it begins when our gathering with other believers is a matter of anticipation, not obligation or burden. And when we gather, we come to care for others and their needs, not our own. Prayer happens spontaneously in the lobby and hallways. Conversations revolve around how we have seen God at work throughout the week. We follow up during the week with phone calls, text messages, and letters. In turn, we invest in our neighborhoods and guard our schedules so we can proclaim and display Jesus to those who are lost and broken. We anticipate guests and go out of our way to greet and serve them, especially those not like ourselves. Traditions and preferences take a back seat to fervent evangelism and sacrificial love. Our primary question isn't, do I like this? but am I giving myself completely to God and his people? These things I've mentioned, this is this next sentence, please hear me out. These things I've mentioned aren't a matter of young versus old or Pharisee versus prodigal. They apply to every one of us, the pastor and staff first of all. In addition, the spiritual renewal can't be manufactured or faked. When it's manufactured or faked, that's the worst kind of hypocrisy, and it just comes across as so weak and hokey. Um, Instead, we experience spiritual renewal through the overflow of what God is doing in our lives through his spirit and word. Uh, Just a quick break before we finish up. Right there, I went back this afternoon and began to read through my journal since the time that we had come to Emmaus, just kind of looking into my own heart, seeing where I am, where I've been, and over and over my journal, seeing these references of, God, I need to see your power at work in my life. God, I know that I need to be a man of prayer. God, I know I need to depend on you. And talking to another church member this afternoon, uh, and her just saying, it's so easy just to go day to day. (laughs) 
week to week. We get in the flow, we accomplish a task, we move on. But do we really experience the power of God's Spirit in and through our lives? And, and I, I feel that deep desire in my own heart. I feel that desire for our church, um, that God would be gracious in doing that. And once again, we don't manufacture that, we don't fake that, but when we are just truly dependent, when we abide in Christ, that's when we bear much fruit. That's when we see what it means to walk with the Spirit. So what does that say about the future? You might be tempted to say, Owen, you seem negative or discouraged or even frustrated from those last couple of paragraphs. I want to say as clearly as possible that I could not be more excited about Emmaus and about where we're headed. Not to mention the fact that many of the things I said in that last paragraph are already happening in our church on a weekly basis. Even more, when challenges come up, and they do, and when I sense the spiritual apathy in our church and in my life, and I have sensed that, I want to address these things. And here's the thing, I want to go through them with you. God did not call me and my family to pastor First Baptist West or Graceway South or Newcastle North. God called us to Emmaus. And I am seeking his direction and power for this people in this place at this time. We will honor the past and learn from it, but we won't live in it. There are too many people around the world who need to hear about Jesus. Too many people next door broken and lost in sin and pain too many marriages crumbling and children hurting, too many teenagers without hope, too many senior adults wasting their final season of life for us to live for anything less than a powerful outpouring of God's power in and through our lives. So we will lay down our preferences, we will lay down our plans, and we will lay down our lives in order to get the gospel to those around us even while this same gospel transforms our lives, families, and church from the inside out. So we say with the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3.17, whatever gain I had, I count it as lost for the sake of Christ. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. May it be so. May we be so captured and so transformed by the resurrected Christ that impacts everything we do. All I want to do is I want to serve with you, and I want to serve for him. Let's pray as we end. Take just a moment in, in your own heart. Think through these elements, up, in, out, is that evident in your life? Do you find yourself worshiping God, anticipating gathering with believers? Do you find yourself in prayer and Bible study, resting in Christ, using your gifts? Are you a part of a group, a Sunday school class, a small group? Are you giving, praying, going so you live outward? 
Think about that idea of evangelistic church growth. Uh, and I have to think about this even as I make plans for what we might do as a church. When we think about Emmaus growing, do we think about how we could get other church people to come? Or do we think about what the book of Acts says, that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved? And I know so often I just think about how we could attract someone else to come to our church. And on that issue of spiritual renewal and, and guarding our hearts against apathy, is it true that at times we are apathetic, that as a church, we just go week to week, month to month, and, and we don't see the power of God's Spirit at work in our lives? I, I know it happens in places, but are we as a church characterized by that spiritual vitality and power? God, I love these people. Every day, God, I love the fact that, that we are here together seeking to proclaim and display Jesus. Father, would you give us wisdom and strength to be the church that you've created us to be. God, guide us as we Go through this Advent season. Prepare us, God, for all that I believe you're going to do in 2018. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name.